0: One of the things I'm convinced of is everybody loves a good cookie. It just so happens that my choice is Pepperidge Farm Geneva. We went to the store last night and bought this because I needed a prop for today. So so I get it home. and. My wife comes in and she sees that I'm eating the cookies. And she said, I thought you bought that as a prop. I said, the package. I bought the package <laughs> as a prop. The cookies just were an extra. So whether it's a good cookie, and by the way, if any of you in your travels, as you're shopping in Wegmans or Giant Eagle or Tops or wherever and you go down the cookie aisle and you're passing the cookies and Pastor Don comes to your mind, well, you know, just be obedient. (laughs) But whether it's a good pack of cookies or a good cup of coffee or nice cold drink or whatever it is, the problem I had last night was I lost my self-control. And here's the thing, even if you don't know what you like or you don't know what you want, we live in a culture today that will tell us what we like and what we want. Through advertising, through any kind of media presentation whatsoever, it will convince us that we have to have this in order to be a happy, prosperous, productive person. In fact, when I was at the little White House, um, Jean Dennett had went out to the grocery store and I said, while you're out there, will you pick me up two packages of Geneva cookies? And she's going, cookies? We got cookies. I go, no, 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 no. Geneva cookies. So she brings them back and she said, Pastor Don, those are expensive. I said, yeah. Yeah, because they're good. And she said, and she says, there's only 15 in a package. She said, how many do you eat at a time? I said, all of them. And she said, I can see that. Because here's the the thing when you read on the, and she wasn't looking at my stomach when she made that comment. But here's the thing. When you look on the side of the pack, it says, serving size, three cookies. Now, the cookies are the size of this cookie on the front of the pack. Three. I I can get that many on the left side (laughs) of my mouth. But if that isn't convincing enough, listen to this. It, It will make you want to run out of here and buy this cookie. Listen to this. Journey into the texture of a Geneva, an enchantingly textured collage of indulgent delight. This beautifully decorated cookie is accompanied by a smooth chocolate layer with crunchy pecans. An adventure in texture. It sold me. But I had a problem with self-control. And our message this morning, Enduring the Culture, Most of you that are here today will relate to me in understanding how we deal when life is out of control. I obviously knew I was preaching this Sunday and in the beginning of the week I was getting prepared and I felt like I was ahead and I had my sermon outline done and I I felt like I I was in control, things were all right. And I came home Tuesday night and I sat down at the table and Barb says, I've got some news for you. And she said, You better hang on to the table. Now, the only thing I could think of was she ate my cookies. <laughs> I wish that that's all it would have been. We had a situation with our son and our, our newest daughter in law, and the thing happened, and really tough. It just, it's everything that I felt like I had control of, just, I didn't have control anymore. And it was like spinning and spinning, now there there was was not infidelity, nothing at all like that, but just a situation to where we had just been there, they just bought a a new home, the kids are getting adjusted, everything was fantastic and then we get this word and it just kind of seems like my world goes upside down. And probably a lot of us have been in that situation where we feel like things are out of control. We look at our world around us, we look at our family, we look at our situation. And we've been in places where it just seems like everything is out of control. Now, in order to set this message up this morning, I'm going to have to take us back into Scripture to help us to kind of understand. I'm I'm going to start here, and we're going to bring up to where we are today. Listen to this for a moment, if you will, with me. In 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 1 through 5, Paul says to Timothy, he begins by saying, mark this. Write it down. Circle it. Underline it. And if you've ever read through the New Testament, you had to have come to this particular portion of Scripture. And listen to what it says. There will be terrible times in the last days. People will be lovers of themselves. Lovers of money, boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, without love, unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not lovers of the good, treacherous, rash, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God having a form of godliness, but denying its power. That was written in Paul's day. And you would think, well, that sounds like today's headlines. That sounds like the latest newscast that I just watched. Well, let's fast forward about 2,000 years, and let me give you an updated version of this Scripture Hamas is attacking, Israel is defending, Russia is invading, the Middle East is smoldering, Boko Haram is massacring, ISIS is marching, Iran and North Korea are threatening, our southern border is dissolving, American cities are crumbling, national debt is skyrocketing, insurance and drug battles are increasing, tornadoes and hurricanes are destroying. Wildfires are consuming, flooding is damaging, marriages and families are fragmenting, our prisons are overcrowded, diseases are life-threatening, child trafficking is on the increase, and it just seems like everything is out of control. And how do we deal with that? Well, we have been teaching on the fruit of the Spirit and Pastor started the first message on love. I'm finishing today on the fruit of self-control. Now Barb and I were talking and we're talking about something last night and and I was teasing her like, okay, you got control over that and she said, don't talk to me about self-control. Because she she knows my cookie thing, and and I'm not obsessed with this, but when I eat them, I eat them, Uh, the whole package. But we we understand that we're living in a time where it feels like that we're out of control. So we have been going through this series. We're beginning with love, and we're ending with self-control. And if you haven't been with us in the last couple of Sundays, watch the video and we're going to catch you up to speed on what we've been talking about.
1: Every day, we face challenging circumstances that are accompanied by difficult decisions we have the choice to respond by faith or we can let doubt dictate our decision-making. And the response we choose determines the type of seed we sow. A seed of fear or a seed of faith. The seed we sow determines the fruit we produce and the fruit produced reflects the person we are. When we react in our own strength, we plant unhealthy seeds that produce fruits of the sinful nature. Bitterness, misery, worry, and frustration, harshness, evil, dishonesty, violence, and indulgence. These choices prevent us from becoming the person God created us to be and growing in our relationship with Him. When we choose to trust God, we plant seeds that open our hearts to be filled with the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, and kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. We reflect the image of Christ to the world and experience the very nature of God in our lives. Not have the power to produce this good fruit, we do have the choice to plant good seed. A seed of fear or a seed of faith. What seeds will you sow? A
0: seed of fear or a seed of faith. So let it be known to us this morning, just to, to try to really condense everything down. When we became a believer, because we believe in the Trinity, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, when we became a believer, we received the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. One of of the works of the Holy Spirit is what we've been teaching on, has been the fruit of the Spirit. In other words, when you came to Jesus, there was a seed planted in you that is capable of bearing fruit. It, it's, maybe it's laying there dormant. Maybe you have not recognized it. Maybe you've not understood it. Maybe as we've been talking through the fruit of the Spirit, you've been saying, well, where is that at? How do I get it? How do I activate it? How does it manifest? And, and all along it's, it's there because, you see, we can't control within ourselves. We cannot control within our own power. But the Holy Spirit has given us this seed of the fruit of the Spirit. Now, faith, hope, love, joy, those things are fun things to talk about. And and I said to Barb the other day, I said, you know, I don't know how I got stuck with self-control because I, I don't like it. I, I don't like teaching on self-control. I don't like reading about self-control. I don't like hearing about self-control because whenever that happens, we have to look introspectively, we have to look internally inside and say, okay, wait, 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 just a minute. And God shows us all these different things that are out of control. And how do we deal with it? How, 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 do we, how do we make it happen? Well here's what I want to picture with you today. We begin with love, we end with self-control. I look at it as bookends. And so here's the first, if it, if it was the graphic going up there, but otherwise it should be on your handouts. The definition of self-control is the ability to control our emotions. Behaviors and desires in the face of external demands in order to function in a Christ-like way. Remember, we can't do it by ourselves. But the fruit of self-control is there to regulate the preceding fruit. Let me show you what I mean. Love without restraint becomes only passion. And we hear that all the time. <laughs> I love chocolate. I love this. I love that. I would love to go there. I would love to do this. I would... And the only thing that we're expressing is a passion for something. But when we have that fruit of self-control in place, it brings love into a different concept. It helps us to understand that love is unconditional, that love is kind, that love never fails, that love doesn't puff up. It, it, it regulates. But if the fruit of self-control is not an operation and it's not regulating love, then love simply becomes Passion, And understandably, there are couples, and there may be some in this room today, who when you first met that young lady or you first met that young man, you came home and said, Mom, I think I'm falling in love. I think I love him. I think I love her. And when in all honesty, we really don't know. What love's all about. And unfortunately, 20, 30, 40, 50 years later, there are still people who are trying to figure out what this love thing is. Because we say we love, but we don't understand how it works. I love God. I love Jesus. I love my wife. I love my husband. I love my children. I love, 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 love. But how does it really work? And so that fruit of self-control regulates that. And what it tells me is that I love in the good times and I love in the bad. I love when my emotions are high and I love when my emotions are low. I love when my feelings are excitable and I love when my feelings are not so excitable. And here's the thing about self-control. Self-control will always involve emotions and feelings. But friends, emotions and feelings can be ignored. They can be ignored. You say, well, give me an example. Example, yesterday, I'm just using a day, not in, in weather, but yesterday, and I'll use the familiar golf game that a lot of people play here in the area. Yesterday, you get up and you're planning a golf outing. And you look out the bedroom window at 6 o'clock in the morning, and it's raining. If you are a golf uh, aficionado, if you're you're somebody just really passionate about golf, it's like your feelings go... Then about 10 o'clock, the sky clears, the sun comes out, and you're going, wow, and your feelings go up. You get out on the golf course, you tee off, you get about seven, eight holes under your belt and the clouds come in again and the rains come. Feelings, emotions, you see what I'm talking about? Feelings and emotions are controlled by external circumstances that we have no control over but we can ignore them. So when we look at this concept of love, without restraint becomes passion we understand that that fruit is there that even when it's raining even when the sun's shining even when you got your bonus or even when you're sitting there with your plate of cornbread and beans and that's all you got in the house love never changes joy which is another fruit joy Taken to excess is simply a shallow form of frivolity. See, there's a total difference between joy and happiness. But the fruit of the Spirit, which is joy, if we take it to the excess, it simply becomes silly, giddy, and almost nonsensical way of behaving. Because joy is something that God gives to us. Joy is something that's a part of our life. But if, if we don't, if we're not careful and it goes into excess, it's just, well, are, do you have joy? Ah, I have joy. It's, it's just a, it, it's a frivolity. So self-control regulates that. Peace without self-control becomes Idleness. I'm at peace with the world. I'm just I'm laid back, I'm at peace. And another word for idleness is shiftless and no purpose. It's the person that says I've I've just I've got so much peace and if it's not regulated, we end up being shiftless and no purpose and really of no value, but we sure got peace. We have peace because We're not involved in anything. There's nothing confrontational going on in our life. So it's just, to us, it's just, it's peace. But unless we have that self-control regulating it, it brings us to the place of no purpose. Patience without balance becomes apathy. Patience without balance becomes apathy. It's one thing to be patient. But to be apathetic, to have lack of feeling or emotion, that's another thing. And see, that's what the fruit of self-control does. It regulates the fruit of patience. And it all works together. Gentleness becomes weakness. Goodness becomes self-serving. Faith without reason becomes blind superstition. And meekness becomes timidity or lack of courage or confidence. So you see that little seed that we planted, that seed of the fruit of the Spirit that God has put within us, and He's wanting to, to cultivate that and to grow that and have that develop in our lives. Do you see what we've been missing by not having that working? And 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 we've we've you and I, I, I in particular, will walk around and say, Oh. Just wish I had more patience, wish I could be kinder, wish I could love better, wish, 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 wish. It's there. We have to plant that seed of faith that the Holy Spirit is going to grow that fruit of self-control. Now there's a man in Scripture who has a very good, is a very good example. Of what it's like to experience lack of self control. His name's Paul. This is not a man who was just simply somebody off the street. This is a man who was educated. He was a smart guy, he was sharp, he had a lot of abilities, had a lot of things going for him. He comes to the road of Damascus and he has a conversion experience with Jesus. He goes off and studies and goes off and spends time with, with God and he comes back and in his ministry. And in order for us to get to Galatians 5, 23, 24 to 5, 26, in order for us to get to Galatians, I have to take us back to Romans 7. And again, I'm going to share something with you that if, if you're thinking this morning at all, you're going to say, Pastor Don, that is me. That's what I said when I read it. So let's take a look at uh, Romans chapter 7. Now in your handouts I've given you a short version of that. In your handout it says, for if I know the law but still can't keep it, and if the power of sin within me keeps sabotaging my best intentions, I obviously need help. And I gave that to you as a reference, but let me me expand on that and listen to these words. I know that all God's commands are spiritual, but I'm not. Isn't this also your experience? Yes, I'm full of myself, after all. I've spent a long time in sin's prison. What I don't understand about myself is that I decide one way, but then I act another, doing things I absolutely despise. So if I can't be trusted to figure out what is best for myself and then do it, it becomes obviously that God's command is necessary. But I need something more. For if I know the law but still can't keep it, and if the power of sin within me keep sabotaging my best intentions, I obviously need some help. I realize I don't have what it takes. I can will it, but I can't do it. I decide to do good, but I don't really do it. I decide not to do bad, but then I do it anyway. My decisions, such as they are, don't result in actions, Something has gone wrong deep within me and gets the better of me every time. It happens so regularly that it's predictable. The moment I decide to do good, sin is there to trip me up. I truly delight in God's commands but it's pretty obvious that not all of me joins in that delight. Parts of me covertly rebel and just when I least expect it, they take charge. I've tried everything and nothing helps. I'm at the end of my rope. Is there no one that can do anything for me? That is me. Are you following the words that I was reading? And are you saying to yourself this morning, that is me? I want to do good, but I can't. I don't want to do this, but I do it. I know God is good. I know God has saved me. I know God loves me. I know God has a plan for me. But every time I get to the point of victory, it seems like I get nailed again. That is me. And probably every one of us in here could turn to our friends on the right or left and say, That is me. And if it's not you today, it very well could have been you last week. And if it's not you today, it very possibly will be you next week. Because, friends, we live in flesh. And I said this many, many, many months ago. When we come to Christ, our heart gets saved, but our body doesn't get saved. And our mind doesn't get saved. That's a work in progress. That's something that we work on. Be not conformed to this world, but transformed by the renewing of your mind. It's something that we daily walk out, and if there's times that we're walking with Christ, and it seems like that we're doing good, and all of a sudden we trip, and in our plain English, as Christianese as we can, we say, doggone it. I'm trying, I'm trying, I'm trying, but something is stopping me from doing or not doing, and I don't understand where I can get an answer from. Is there somebody that can help me? And Paul comes along and says, now to Galatians chapter 5, so I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the spirit, and the spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other so that you are not to do whatever you want. Conflict, conflict. I call this self-control is a battle between a divided self. You say, well, I wish I could just be a pastor so I wouldn't have to experience that. It doesn't work that way. I wish I could be one of those television personalities that, that I don't have to experience that. It doesn't work that way because even though we are walking in the Spirit and we're wanting to do the very best that we can, there's still an overcoming of the flesh that we have to experience but there is, there is a way of walking by the Spirit, and you say, now, wait a minute, Pastor Don, tell me a little bit more about that because it sounds kind of spooky to me. Walking in the Spirit, is that, does that mean like I'm a ghost and I just kind of go through walls and I just kind of float in the air, no, no, <coughs> walking in the Spirit is basically allowing the Holy Spirit to... Control our lives and listening to the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit is the third person of the Trinity. And the Holy Spirit can be grieved, uh, he can be resisted, uh, he can be ignored. Uh, there, there are several things that we do, but the work of the Holy Spirit is to give us that wisdom and bring us into that truth because it's not, it can't be legalistic. And I'm just stopping here to check in with some of you because some of you, I feel, have come up through a system of legalism. That you just, oh, if you do this, it's wrong, and do that, it's wrong. And you've come up, <coughs> excuse me, through this system of legalism. And Paul says that's why the law doesn't work because you still operate in the flesh. I told the Sunday school class this morning you go out on the highway toward Ohio and it says 70 miles per hour. That's the law. But you're in your car with your foot on the accelerator in the flesh. And you're up to 72 and 75 and 78 and 80. And so therefore, law's not working. Until the lights come on and the sirens sound. Then the law works. But until then, you are, that law, that 70 mile per hour sign is not doing a bit of good because you're operating and I am operating in the flesh. So the Apostle Paul says, walk by the Spirit and you'll not gratify the desires of the flesh. And the way that we do that is allowing the fruit of self control to be evident in our lives. So, If the battle is me, this is me, and walking in the Spirit, this is what I do, where do we go from here? Well we have to go to 1 Corinthians chapter 9 and it says this, the Apostle Paul says, Do you not know that in a race of all the runners run but only one gets the prize? Run in such a way as to get the prize. Everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. They do it to get a crown that will not last, but we do it to get a crown that will last forever. Therefore, I do not run like someone running aimlessly. I do not fight like a boxer beating the air. No, I strike a blow to my body and I make it my slave so that after I preach to others, I myself will not be qualified for the prize. This is how I run. Do you see where we're headed? We we came into this battle against the divided self and now we're learning to walk in the Spirit and we're learning to run for that eternal prize. There's a a process, a progression that takes place. And we come to this place of self-control. And by the way, so I've got self-control figured out, I'll just say no. The Christian way of self-control is not just say no. You say, well, why is that? Because the things that you and I can say no to, only you and I are going to get the glory for. There's things in our life that just say no doesn't work. That's where we have to trust in the power of God and the power of the Holy Spirit and the fruit of the Spirit to be active in our life because only by that power and that strength that God has placed in us can we experience self-control. And I look back over my life and I don't have any spiritual history as to why water, but I I look back over my life and look at the times where I've not exercised self-control. And I, I, didn't want to, I, I didn't want to see all of the times, but I just kind of picked and chose. and I went back and I was looking at all of those times and there were times where I could have said no, there are times where I could have done this or not do that, I had the choice to make. And you say, that's what I'm trying to understand. If God doesn't want me to do it, He won't let me do it. Sorry, friends, I wish it was that easy. But He's given us a freedom of choice, but we do not have the freedom from the consequences of that choice. Wouldn't it be great? I mean, it would be a piece of cake. There I go, cookies, cake. You just kind of see that theme threaded throughout the sermon, it'd <clears throat> be easy as pie. <clears throat> I mean, it just, sorry. We... <laughs> Wouldn't it be great if every time we we got off a little bit, God just said and forced us back on? But it doesn't happen that way. He's looking for a people who loves Him, who will obey Him willingly, who will sacrifice willingly. And that's what self-control does. Now, very quickly, just because there's something important I want to show you, but let me just give this to you quickly. Self-control will change behavior. People with self-control are able to master their moods, they'll watch their words, they'll restrain their reactions, they learn how to manage their money, they learn how to maintain their health, and they learn how to stick to their schedules. I think all of that should be on your handouts. Self-control will change behavior. So here's my question. What would our church look like? What would our church look like if all the fruit of the Spirit was evident in our lives? Check this out. This is the tree of 40 fruit. There's a man in actually from Reading, Pennsylvania, named Sam Van Aken. He's an artist. Some years ago, he got this idea of grafting different fruit into the same tree. And as the idea caught on, he has over 19 of these planted throughout the United States. There's one in Syracuse. His idea was to take something that looked like in the beginning a very slightly odd-looking specimen, and producing an incredible harvest of plums, peaches, apricots, nectarines, almonds, including many like we've never seen before, the stone fruit. That fruit, that tree that you see there produces 40 different kind of fruit at a time amazing. The reason I wanted to show you that picture was because in this body of believers at Erie First, there are multiple personalities, there are multiple talents, multiple gifts, there are multiple multiple people in, in ethnicity and culture and all age and size and everything that you can think of. How in the world can we ever? What would it look like if we ever allowed the fruit of the Spirit to work in our heart and in our lives. I think we would see a congregation of believers let's keep let's just leave the, the picture back up there a moment. I think we would see a congregation of believers that would be functioning and working and loving and serving and and being together and and that fruit is coming out and is producing. And it's, it's something that's very, very, very important in what we do as a congregation. Now, there it is. I, I just want you to get that image in your mind as I share a couple of things. He was asked, how long does it take to develop? It takes about five years. The reason I say that is because for those of you listening to me this morning, you say, Pastor Don, how fast can I get this fruit kicking in? How, how fast can, can I get it moving by this afternoon, all, all of the fruit? It may take a while. It may take a while. I don't know how long, but I know at least 67 years. <laughs> it may take a while. But it takes about five years to develop after the planting. But what happens after he plants? Does he just leave it? He says, no. He said, I come back every season and I take it through a pruning process and a grafting process. While it's growing, while it's developing, while it's producing, it still has to be pruned and it still has to be grafted. But while all this has taken place, it's producing these 40 fruit. Now, I'm not going to spend a lot of time on this, but there's a lot of, there's a lot of correlation between where we are as, as a believer and, and even in this tree, even from the number 40, because the, he was asked, and I don't know where his faith is. I, I, I don't know. They said, why did you pick 40, 40 fruit? He said, I chose the number 40 because it's used in most Western religions and even in some Eastern religions to represent a number beyond counting. In other words, the number umpteen. And when we look through Scripture, the 40 days of the flood and 40 days in the wilderness and 40 days in the desert and and on and on and on, the 40 days that, that were depicted in Old and New Testament, it's just interesting. But what he's saying is the number 40 means there doesn't have to be an end. So whether it's you and I or the people that join us next Sunday or the Sunday after that or the month after that, when we allow the fruit of the Spirit to continue to grow and produce and develop and and, and we see it working in our life, what a beautiful thing. What a beautiful thing. So I'm I'm leaving you this morning with your live it out challenge and instructions. And um, I trust that I've tried to treat... Self control in a way that hasn't just really bummed you out. If, if you need a if you need a, a if you need a, a safe place to go in your thinking, just go back to my Geneva cookies, and and, and that'll help you get through the whole self control thing. Here are the live it out instructions. First of all, read Galatians chapter five, verse sixteen through twenty six. Then. Ask, we ask ourselves this question. In what areas do I need to develop self-control? Come on, friends, we've got to be honest. In what areas? Let's man up. In what areas do I need to develop self-control? Number three, acknowledge that it takes a greater power than myself to exercise self-control. I can't do it by myself. The Apostle Paul says, I need help, i got to have help. And that's where the fruit of the Spirit comes in. And then number four, allow the Holy Spirit to enable and empower me as the fruit of self-control continues to develop in my life. Would you stand with me this morning, please? Heavenly Father, as we pause before you today, you've given us a tough subject to deal with, because it can be very personal and it could go into places to where it's really none of our business. So I thank You for the wisdom of the Holy Spirit that has helped us to share this fruit of the Spirit. And I pray, Father, that those that have been in this sanctuary today, it's not a personality and it's not a presentation, but it's the power and presence of the Holy Spirit that we're seeking this morning that will, will just impregnate our mind and our heart with Your Word. And Father, we're so thankful that, that we have a, a, an example like Paul, who was a great man, wrote many of the epistles, a great man that we admired of the beatings and the tortures and, and all of the things as he's went through, and yet he says, I need help, I need help, I can't do it by myself. Who can help me? And we learned this morning, Father, that as we walk in the Spirit, that You give us the ability to exercise self-control. So I pray for my friends today. I pray for Erie First Assembly. God my prayer is that every one of us in here it become like that tree of 40 fruit, that all of the fruit and the talents and the gifts and the abilities, all of the things that, that are demonstrated in this church begin to flourish and bloom. And what a great, what a great and exciting time it will be as we not only affect our community, but affect affect ministry even around the world. So Father, we thank You for today. Give us a great day as we share with family and friends and give us safe travels as we return to our homes. And we give You thanks in Your precious and wonderful name, Amen. Amen. amen, amen. God bless you and have a good Labor Day weekend.